You're listening to 3 and 30 Takeaways for Moms, and this episode is sponsored by Ritual. Ritual is a vitamin company passionate about helping you start and maintain daily rituals that will bless your life and physical body. One of the daily habits that I'm excited to work on going into 2022 is getting more high-quality protein, and I am so excited to try Ritual's protein powders, which are made with clean, plant-based formulas specifically created to support nutrient needs of different life stages. They have three different essential protein formulations, one for age 18 plus, one for pregnancy and postpartum, and one for age 50 plus. It's easy to start this new daily habit as all you need to do is add water, shake, and sip. So why not shake up your ritual? To make trying something new less scary, Ritual offers a money-back guarantee if you're not 100% in love. Plus, my listeners get 10% off during your first three months. Just visit ritual.com slash 3 and 30 to add essential protein today. That's R-I-T-U-A-L dot com slash 3 and 30. Welcome to 3 and 30, a podcast for moms who want to create more meaning in motherhood. Each 30-minute episode will feature three doable takeaways for you to try at home with your family this week. I'm your host, Rachel Nielsen. Thank you so much for being here. If you look around my house, you might see some evidence of the fact that I am raising strong-willed children. (laughs) For example, there's a hole in my son's bedroom door where several years ago he smashed a wooden sword through it in a fit of anger. (laughs) I can laugh now, but I was not so amused when it happened, and neither was he. I remember that he immediately started sobbing and shaking in embarrassment over what he had done and fear over what my reaction would be, because honestly, he hadn't realized how destructive his anger was. It was hard for me to stay mad at him when I saw just how scared he was by what he was feeling and what he had done. I will eventually have my son pay to replace that door, but in the meantime, I kind of enjoy having a peephole into his room so I can make sure he's cleaning up when I ask him to, and I can shout messages through it like, I love you more than anything, this has actually happened, and he can slide rolled up notes to me through that hole when he's feeling emotional and wants to process. Raising strong-willed children is an adventure, not for the faint of heart, and today I am so excited to be speaking with two moms who are experts on raising spirited and sensitive kids. Hannah and Kelty are identical twin sisters who are the coaches and speakers behind the parenting movement upbringing. They are certified in simplicity parenting and positive discipline and trained in nonviolent communication and foundations of the respectful parenting approach, RIE. Their organization, Upbringing, empowers parents in over 100 countries to show up and grow up alongside their kids when it comes to daily discipline. I know that you will relate to their honesty and wisdom, but before we jump into that conversation, I just want to remind you about my Flex of Gold journal, which is an amazing place to process and capture the beautiful moments that you share with your strong-willed children. I know that sometimes golden sweet moments with spirited kids can feel rare, which makes it all the more important to really notice them and treasure them when they happen. That's why I created this beautiful three-year journal for you to write down one special moment each day, no matter how small or fleeting it was. I promise you that as you train your brain to look for these good moments, you'll start to notice more and more of them happening all around you all the time. 
This has been an invaluable tool for me as I'm raising my spirited kiddos, and I hope you'll purchase one for yourself or another mother you love during this holiday season. You can go to 3in30podcast.com slash flexofgold and use the code LISTENER for 10% off. Now, onto the show. Here's my conversation with the twin sisters from Upbringing. Hannah and Kelty, welcome to 3 and 30. I am so excited to talk with you today. Hello. Thanks for having us on, Rachel. Excited to be here. Well, I have been so drawn to your work from the first time that I found it on Instagram because you really specialize in helping parents of spirited children. And I have a couple of those, one in particular, (laughs) that has a lot of spirit and strong will, big emotions, and it's a gift and a struggle to try to figure out how to help him channel that. And so I'm always looking for resources and you have so much practical wisdom and compassion and empathy to help parents. And I'm guessing that that comes from some personal experience. So tell us a little bit about your motherhood journey and how you got interested in this work. I love that you bring up the fact that being a parent of spirited kids is a challenge, but it can also be a gift. And I think that that's been the nature of our journey is trying to find that gift within the challenges. Um, And it began right at the beginning. Hannah had her daughter first and six months later, my daughter came. And I think that I just assumed that she would be very similar to Hannah's, which is, you know, if you want to kind of get into those labels, Hannah's was a good baby. Mm -hmm. She was a quiet baby. She was a happy baby. She was a good sleeper. She, you know, could ride in the car seat forever. She could play alone. She was very flexible and quiet. And my daughter was very much the opposite of all of those things. And I think that it was a big awakening for us as as twin sisters, as people who are very similar, who are parenting very similarly as well, to have two babies who are so different. And I think that that's really what woke us up to this idea that not all kids are the same. Not all experiences we have with our children are a direct result of the way that we interact with them, but they are just unique beings. Mm -hmm. And then the same thing happened the second time once we had our son. (laughs) Hannah had her son. Seven months later, I had my son and I was like, maybe mine will be kind of like Hannah's. He's such a happy baby. He's such an independent player. He's so flexible. And Then my son came and it was exactly as it had been before and we got to see it all over again. And it's this amazing kind of process of personal growth, of looking at our children as unique humans and of striving our best to meet their needs and to meet them where they are. Mm, Yeah. And one thing that I've heard you talk about on social media, which I really appreciate, Kelty, is that you felt some jealousy because I felt that so much with my colicky baby. He came out spirited and cried all the time. And I would look around at church and see all these babies just sleeping on their mom's chests. Or, Mm -hmm. you know, I'd hear about my friends whose babies took three hour naps and they got to just work on their hobbies or whatever. And I was jealous. And I felt Mm -hmm. like, what am I doing wrong? I felt mad at my baby, which feels ridiculous to say and felt ridiculous to feel. I felt ashamed that I felt that way about my baby, but it was hard not to compare and be like, why is my child so hard? And everybody Mm -hmm. else seems to have it so easy. Oh my gosh. I love that you brought this up. And it's been such a process for me of acceptance of those feelings that I had too, of jealousy, of anger, of resentment, Mm -hmm. that I couldn't have as much of a flexible life, that I couldn't look like such a star parent compared Mm -hmm. to Hannah. You know, Mm -hmm. so many people being like, mama's doing something right. All these comments that she would get where I was like, I'm doing things right too. It just doesn't (laughs) look that way. And I think for me too, watching you struggle with your, your daughter and then with your son, I felt an incredible amount of guilt 
guilt because I kept feeling, what did I do to deserve this? I have two very easy, quote unquote, flexible babies that make me look great. And here, my twin sister, this person I care about so much, is struggling. And I think that that's what really called us into our work at Upbringing was reconciling these beliefs we had about what a good baby was and what a good mom was and realizing Mm. that none of that was true. And because of my love for Kelty and and wanting to understand and support her, that led us to do a lot of research and take a lot of courses and really deep dive into the process of parenting and the personal growth that it required. And I think that one of the biggest reasons we started upbringing the podcast and the Instagram community was because we didn't want other parents to feel alone. We had each Mm -hmm. other, which we felt so grateful for, but we also started discovering that a lot of other people felt very alone. They felt either, like you said, Rachel, there's something wrong with their kids or something wrong with them. And we wanted to create a community that said there's nothing wrong with you or with your baby. There's a diverse spectrum of spiritedness and sensitivity that is unrecognized and really undersupported in our communities, in parenting literature, in so many other areas. And I think that's what kind of upbringing became over time. Mm. Yeah. And I'm sure you were such a support to each other. And I love that you've sort of created this sisterhood for other women who maybe don't have a sister to Mm -hmm. walk with them through this. You've created that in your online community and in your courses. And I'm excited for you to share your three takeaways with us today about parenting spirited children or sensitive children. You put those two together. Mm -hmm. Do you think that they go together? I think sometimes I think of a sensitive child as someone who Mm -hmm. is quiet and maybe more withdrawn and emotional, and I don't necessarily pair it with a spirited child, but do you often see that they go together? Mm, Yeah. I think a definition I read once is that not all sensitive kids are spirited, but all spirited kids are sensitive, right? I like to see them Mm -hmm. as two sides of the same coin. So we think of sensitivity and this is not like a diagnosis. This is not a label. This is how we're kind of making sense and identifying the diverse spectrum that our our kids are showing us and the nervous systems that they're bringing to the table when they're Mm -hmm. born. But I think sensitivity is how our babies and we experience the world. That's the input. So how do our bodies respond to external you know, sounds, textures, situations, experiences, transitions, right? And so a lot of sensitive kids will feel those very strongly sometimes so that you'll see the, the shyness or the clinginess or the anxiety or the fears or just the physical discomfort, right? I don't like the way this feels on my foot, or I don't like these sheets, right? Or that sound is really loud and they cover their ears. That's a sensitive nervous system. The way the world is makes them feel things very strongly, right? And then the flip side of the coin is the spiritedness. And so some kids can express that experience more strongly than others. So for Mm. example, Kelty and I were sensitive kids. Oh man, we just held it all in. We didn't express any of it barely. It it was all there, experiencing things very strongly, feeling very deeply for a long time. But we didn't have that flip side of the spiritedness that a lot of kids bring to the table. They express themselves louder, longer, right? They're more persistent, more insistent more resistant, right? Yeah. And so those are the two sides that we've kind of identified. And I think we like to talk about sensitivity and spiritedness as a vast spectrum, a fluid experience that every child is on. Yeah, that makes so much sense. And I definitely see that in my spirited son. He's actually a deep feeler and thinker. And a lot of times others might think of him as harsher. And I'm like, actually, he's so sweet and soft, 
but it's because he doesn't know what to do with all of those emotions that it sometimes explodes out in these harsher ways mm-hmm. of showing it, you mm-hmm. know? Um, yeah, I think when we normalize the way kids experience the world and the way they express that experience, mm-hmm. we get so many folks writing into us saying, I'm in my car crying right now because I didn't realize that it was sensitivity, that I just have a sensitive spirited kid. Thank you. Mm-hmm. A lot of us just don't know there's such a stigma associated because we're also behavior focused in our society and in our parenting, you know? Yeah. And it does just give you so much more grace for your children when you stop seeing them as difficult and you start seeing they're having a hard time. They're not hard. They're having a hard time and we can help them with managing that and expressing that better. And you're going to give us some takeaways today for how we can flip some of these beliefs that we have about our spirited kids to make them more positive and more effective and helpful to our children. So why don't you start us with our first takeaway? Oh, yeah. And I just want to put it out there that these aren't going to be quick fixes, that this is a long-term process we're talking about. And it's actually parent-focused, not child-focused. Yes. So we're going to talk about our beliefs, our goal, and our role. And those are the three ways that we show up in relationship with our spirited and sensitive kids that can really make such a critical difference in our relationship, in their growth, and all of these things. Do you want to start with our belief, Kelty? Yeah. Belief is everything. I think that those moments when I find myself so in the weeds and so lost, I think, ooh, what was I believing going into this situation? What was this automatic belief that came into my mind? And I think that with our kids, stubbornness, strong will, counter will, all of these things, I think it's so natural for us to think this is wrong, right? Mm -hmm. This is not okay. Basically, a rejection you know, of who they are and how they're showing up in that moment. Mm-hmm. Right. That's that's what this automatic belief always is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So mm-hmm. we're gonna flip the belief that our spirit and sensitive kids are, you know, worrisome, unproductive, wrong. The way they're showing up is unnecessary. And we're gonna say we actually want to accept who they are. Mm-hmm. Who they are is perfect. And the way they're showing up with the big feelings and challenging behaviors is valuable actually, because it can help them develop. It can help us build relationship. It can help them build skills. Yeah. So I think in those moments, just leading into any conflict with our kids, we hear that squawk, we hear that no, or we see a sibling conflict brewing, whatever it is, if we can lean into that moment with saying to ourselves, this is okay. This is okay. It can change everything. I feel like you, Kelty, really started thinking of your kids' behaviors and needs in terms of strengths instead of weaknesses. Mm-hmm. So they're not high maintenance anymore. They're just particular. Mm-hmm. They're not obsessive. They're just focused. They're not bossy. They're just confident. If you can believe that the way they're showing up has value, they'll learn to believe that as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that's so powerful. And I'm a former high school English teacher. I love words. And I think hard about words and dissect them. And what you just did there was you flipped the words and the words really capture the beliefs. And so when we start to change the words that we use to describe something, we start to change what we believe about it. Mm-hmm. And so I love those reversals that you just gave of thinking of our kids with different words that are more positive for their nature. You have in your outline here, instead of thinking hellraiser, <laughs> maybe think of change maker, you know, it's <laughs> it's so different, but it's the same underlying trait that they have, but just in a totally different light. 
Yeah. And I think as much mm-hmm. as it influences, you know, that domino effect of how we show up in the moment, it's also influencing the way that our kids think about themselves. I think mm-hmm. so often parents come to us and say, as I'm rethinking my beliefs and my goal and role around my spirited kids, I'm remembering how I felt as a spirited kid. Mm-hmm. And I always had this feeling like I was too much. I got this belief from my parents and it became mine that I'm too much that I'm too much trouble, that I'm too much talking, that I'm too much energy, that I'm too much feelings, you mm-hmm. know? So I think that so much about this belief is leading in, yes, to get us going in a productive, connective direction with our kids, but also knowing that that belief is going to influence their sense of worth, their sense of self, their sense of belonging, right? Yes, absolutely. Let's pause this conversation for a few minutes to thank the partners who are making this podcast possible. This podcast is sponsored by KiwiCo, a company that curates and sends seriously fun and enriching art projects for kids of all ages, delivered via a monthly subscription box that can be paused or canceled at any time. It's crunch time right now for holiday gifts, and if you're still looking for something to give the kiddos in your life, KiwiCo is the one-stop gift shop for kids of every interest and age. Children can discover the mechanics behind everyday objects, learn the science of cooking, explore new cultures, and practice new art and design techniques, all through seriously fun hands-on projects. After trying KiwiCo with my own children and seeing how creative and high quality the crates are, I decided to give a subscription to my niece and nephew for Christmas a few years ago. They had so much fun building a solar system, exploring the human body, and learning about animals, and they would send me photos of their creations. Their mom also loved this gift because it kept the kids busy and learning for the afternoon, so this is truly a gift for the whole family. This holiday season, give the gift of a fun, hands-on holiday experience with KiwiCo. Get 50% off your first month plus free shipping on any crate line with the code 3in30 at KiwiCo.com. That's 50% off your first month at KiwiCo.com, promo code 3in30. This podcast is also sponsored by Nutrafol, 100% drug-free nutraceutical supplements that provide hair wellness from within. As moms, we all know how much our hair changes due to hormonal shifts during pregnancy, postpartum, and menopause, and also just with aging, stress, and the busyness of life. Research shows that 30 million women are impacted by weakened or thinning hair. So if you're among them, know you're not alone and there's a solution you can trust to deliver results. Nutrafol offers two targeted formulas for women that are clinically shown to improve hair growth and thickness with less shedding through all stages of life. I recently went to Nutrafol.com to take their hair wellness quiz and got personalized product recommendations that are unique to my hair's needs. I'm so excited to see how my hair grows and strengthens over the next several months. You can grow thicker, healthier hair and support our show by going to Nutrafol.com and entering the promo code 3in30 to save $15 off your first month subscription. This is their best offer anywhere, and it's only available to U.S. customers for a limited time. Plus free shipping on every order. Get $15 off at Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com, promo code 3in30. And now back to the show. And I really believe that after we flip our beliefs, that leads us to flip our goals about our kids, which is your second takeaway. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. If we believe that our kids, who they are, the way they're showing up is wrong, then our goal then is to change them, to form them, to mold them into a more acceptable society kind of 
person, right? Yeah, to, to fix them. I mean, right. Yeah. To meet society's expectations. And instead, if we flip that, right, that goal, if we believe that they're inherently worthy, that their, their behaviors and needs are valuable, then the goal can become to support their needs and their personal experience to meet the child instead of try to fit them into a society that doesn't really understand them necessarily, or that wasn't made for them yet. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. It's so interesting because when we talk about that goal shift from meeting our own expectations and society's expectations to kind of connecting and teaching through a way that meets our child's expectations, I think often a lot of people are like, but isn't that just so self-centered? Isn't that just so entitled? Like, why would we focus on them, them, them when they're doing these things that are maladaptive, that aren't going to be okay out in society? And I think so much of this goal flip from socialization to basically nurturing a self-awareness in our kids is about arming them for that society. And it Mm -hmm. all begins within as opposed to outside our kids. So if in those moments we can continue to channel, okay, my goal is self-awareness with my kid. I'm believing this is okay. Even if it's terrifying me, my goal becomes to help connect them to themselves. What's going on in there? What are they needing? What are they feeling? right? What's what's happening so that they can be looking within as they move out into the world someday. Mm-hmm. That's how adaptive skills are actually built over time is through self-awareness. It's a really brave thing to do to say, my goal is to focus on my child and nurturing them so that they can move into the world with confidence and skill rather than I'm going to make my focus and goal be on meeting society's needs as the mm-hmm. parent, right? Yeah. Well, and it's so true that if we raise children with emotional resilience and emotional awareness, they are going to be better members of society. Mm -hmm. And so we think that by, you know, coercing them to be obedient, we're going to make them good members of society when really teaching them to have empathy for other people, which starts with them having empathy for themselves Mm -hmm. and knowing what to do with their big emotions is going to lead them to be compassionate change makers in the world, not teaching them that they have to follow a list of rules just because we said so or the Mm -hmm. authority said so. Right. Yeah. It's tricky. It's a tricky walk to balance because also I'm like, it can't just be a free for all where they have no expectations whatsoever and they're allowed to behave any way they want, even if they're disturbing other people or different things. But I think so often we are so panicked about who they will become someday that we lose focus on just helping them be who they are right now. And then they will grow into that loving, good human being, that good adult in the future if we love them well now. Mm, I love that. Yeah. It's such a trust fall though. Mm-hmm. I it think is. that yeah, moving from that <laughs> belief goal role based in fear to that belief goal role based in trust, right? And mm-hmm. that rolls us right into the third step, which is our role. So I think a lot of folks are like, okay, I'm finally starting to believe that my child is is perfect the way they are. They're valuable. They're showing me what they're needing and that their nervous system is struggling in certain moments. And then my goal is to support that nervous system, right? To use connection instead of correction, right? But what does that actually look like in the moment? It can be really intimidating mm-hmm. because a lot of us have never we were never treated a different way beyond being controlled or coerced or manipulated. That's mm-hmm. kind of just the the modern and antiquated parenting toolbox that a lot of us were given. Yeah. If we follow that kind of belief, we're probably going to show up as more of an adversary, right? The judge, the jury, the hall monitor, the, the prison guard. I think that's something I feel often like, why am I being like this? I don't want to be this person, right? Mm. Lectures, shame, timeouts, threats, overpowering, uh, manipulating, mm. spanking. 
stuff that comes so easy to us, right? Yeah. But I think that with, with the flip of that role, which is such a, it, it, again, another trust fall, but it's also so liberating and it really takes, has taken the pressure off of so many folks we work with is saying, we don't have to be any of those people that use control. We can just be an ally. We can be a sensitive support staff. You know, we can be like another helping professional, like a mediator or a, an EMT or a nonviolent communicator, hostage negotiator, or mm -hmm. someone who normalizes conflict and conflicting needs, who their role inherently is to de-escalate and foster connection because connection is what ultimately helps kids learn what we want them to learn mm -hmm. rather than fear. And so we always encourage folks who are listening and folks we work with to say, who is that person for you? Can you design an avatar or a, a person that you can key into in those moments that, you know, that's not instinctual, that's not fear-based, someone that you know maybe or that you've felt before who has really led with kindness and understanding and really stepped into their true power and integrity in a way that helped you grow and thrive in a certain way. Hmm. Yeah. I love that idea of actually envisioning someone, a loving coach or grandparent or somebody that you had that really loved you well this way. And then being that for your child, what does that look like concretely? Like when you're in a hard moment with your kid, what do you do? I mean, I think that's what a lot of us, we were like, I believe everything you're saying, but like, what are the skills? What do I do when my kid is melting down? Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. That's like the million dollar question, right? But really boiled down, it's a conversation. And it begins with kind of removing ourselves from the hierarchy. We're still responsible as their parent, but we don't have to control everything and fix everybody, right? And saying, how can I show up? And instead of controlling them, control myself control the environment, focus on loving limits, where we focus on a conversation where we say, not everything has to be taught and happen in a moment when our kids are melting down or resisting something. What we need to be embodying is calm connection because that's what's going to help them learn. So that's taking deep breaths. That's getting to their level. It's giving them a little bit more time. It's simplifying a situation or an expectation, right? Every conflict can be a conversation <laughs> where we just step up to the plate and say, I don't know how this is going to go. Not, I've seen this a million times. Mm -hmm. I know what they're going to do. But really, human to human, what are you needing? Human to human, here's what I'm needing. What can we do? Oh, that's beautiful. Like you said, I don't have to teach them all of the life lessons right this minute. You know, <laughs> I, can, I can keep them safe in this emotional moment. And then later, we can learn all of the skills for emotional resilience that might make those meltdowns fewer over time. But it doesn't have to happen in that moment. Yeah. This concept of teaching with love feels so bonkers to people. And I think that often people think that those are mutually exclusive. You can't be showing love and teaching through a conflict. Those are so separate, right? And I think our culture tells us if you're going to teach through a conflict, you need to be stern. You need to show heat. You need to maybe be withholding some of your love and affection and support of this person to put them on the spot and be teaching through fear in that way. And I think it's just, it's such a, a, a mindset flip, not just to accept our kids for who they are so that we can change our goal and role, but really to believe that the way we teach is what our kids learn and that it can be learned through love, through connection, even in those hardest moments. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, this has been so empowering to think about how we can flip these scripts about our spirited kids. And you have created a resource to help parents who want to go a little further with this. Can you tell us about that? 
Yeah, it's our mini guide for spirited and sensitive kids. And it just helps folks get started with those mental mantras and the helpful phrasing. So the script that they're giving to themselves and then the script that they're engaging with with their kid. And it's providing, like you said earlier, Rachel, those words, that helpful wording, and they can rephrase and figure out what works best for them. But it's just to move past that control-based phrasing in their own minds and with their kids and move toward something a little bit more collaborative, a little more productive right? Mm, Yeah. And I wanted to add giving ourselves grace. You know, a lot of us have realized like, oh gosh, like I have been parenting through control. Oh gosh, I have been blaming my spirit and sensitive kid. And that's not our fault, right? Mm -hmm. But it is a great responsibility and an opportunity. This is an ongoing process. We always say trust over fear, connection over control and progress over perfection. So that's Mm -hmm. the, the practice that we're all engaging with. Well, thank you for offering that. Where can they get that mini guide? Yeah, they can go to upbringing.co and then I think it's forward slash spirited for their free guide, but it's also in our link at upbringing.co on Instagram as well. So we're around. And I'll make sure it's in the show notes. Can you give an example? Because I love your guides because they are really practical. So a lot of this that we talked about today might feel more theoretical to people, but your guides give actual phrases that we often say as moms and then shows us how to flip them to make them more positive, more in alignment with our values. Can you give an example of the type of thing that's in your guide? Yeah. Let's see. Some mental mantras. The strong spirit they show can be sensitively nurtured, not extinguished. I can give myself grace for loving them and struggle to accept them too. Mm. Taking this personally is not helpful. They need a calm, loving presence. My job is to connect as their behavior can only change with self-awareness. The fierce spirit they show as a kid can become a superpower as an adult. I lean on that one a lot. Yeah. And so these are things that you can practice. You can write Mm -hmm. out, you can say to yourself so that when you are in the moment with the melting down child, these mantras come into your head and calm you down and remind you to parent from your values instead of from fear and reaction. Exactly. Oh yeah, we've got a lot of parents who like have them all taped up on their mirror in the morning, give that you know little pep talk, right? Or if you need to steal away and have a little time out yourself, kind of read through them. Um, we also have them available for your phone as like a little kind of screensaver type thing. Oh, that's mm-hmm. perfect. Well, thank you so much. And you also have a podcast, a really great Instagram account. I will link all of that in the show notes because I know the moms listening are going to want to learn more from you. And Hannah and Kelty, I just want to thank you so much personally for your work and how it's helped me with my children. And thank you for coming on 3 and 30. Thank you so much, much, Rachel. Rachel. I loved the theme of Hannah and Kelty's takeaways about flipping the scripts we've been telling ourselves about our spirited kids, because that is often how I feel. My gut reaction isn't actually the way I want to parent, and I think having these actionable reversals is so empowering. Let me recap their takeaways for you. First, let's flip our beliefs about our spirited child. Instead of thinking there is something wrong with them or with me because they are acting this way, think they are worthy and perfect just as they are, and they are showing me that the world is a lot for them. I'm capable of supporting them and seeing their spirit and sensitivity as a valuable and necessary part of their personality. Second, let's flip our goals for raising a spirited child. Rather than insisting on obedience and good behavior by trying to control them through fear and punishments, let's focus on connecting with them and helping them build emotional skills. Guiding them through connection-building skills will lead to their long-lasting growth and healthy relationships with themselves and others. 
And third and finally, let's flip what we believe our role is in raising a spirited child. We do not have to be the judge, jury, and enforcer in their lives. We can show up in a sensitive support staff capacity, normalizing conflicting needs, de-escalating conflict and teaching them how to process it, and fostering connection to self and others. If you have a spirited or sensitive child, I hope that this episode made you feel less alone in your challenges and gave you hope for how to parent these sometimes exhausting but always beautiful souls with love. I'm right there with you, and don't forget that my Flex of Gold journal can be an amazing place to capture the good moments that you share with your family, and I will link that in the show notes. I'm rooting for you, I love you, and I hope you have a great week with your family.